there's really a premium to be placed on honest feedback because there are so many people in your life that are going to tell you, that sounds great, good for you, honey, <laughs> pat on the head, <laughs> that hearing hard feedback is valuable when it's coming from a place of help. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. A few weeks ago, we started following the story of Jeff Picaro. His goal is to launch a scalable services business that earns him $10,000 in net profit every month. He's offered to allow us to follow his journey on the show. When I asked Jeff last week about why he was inspired to start the business, here's what he said. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people who leave the working world find a skill that they're good at, they figure out how to sell it, and they end up really being glorified freelancers, which, you know, despite having a bit of a brand name, and despite having a reputation in, in a certain community, at the end of the day, my work has come back to selling my talent and selling my time. I'm sure many of us can relate to Jeff. You know, we become freelancers and consultants because we have to make a living, but we can't stand having, you know, a quote, real job. The problem is, is it's just so murky from like, how do you get from charging people for your time to building an asset that, you know, allows you to earn a living from anywhere that you can control without outside investors? You know, and I just don't think we hear enough about these sorts of businesses. They're underrepresented online because the people that grow successful founder controlled bootstrap businesses, you know, 90% of the time they don't benefit from telling other people like, Hey, I'm making great money doing all this. You know, they're busy with their families. They're busy growing their businesses. They're not online like me and Ian talking about it all day long. So I'm so glad that Jeff decided to allow us to peek over his shoulder while he does this. Now, just to circle back as a quick reminder, Jeff's business is called LTV machine. Of course, every entrepreneur needs to be quick on the pitch. So I asked Jeff to remind us what LTV Machine does for its customers. We help small businesses make more money with email marketing through advanced email marketing software. On our first episode in this series, we asked members of this audience, that's you, to be Jeff's anchor clients or the first few prototype customers that provide feedback on the service and product in exchange for a discount or other perks. And when I got Jeff back on the phone just a few days ago, I was curious as to how that went. So it's been about a month, probably closer to five weeks since the episode went live. We've got our two anchor clients, which is really exciting. That's what we were soliciting on the show. Really, the two biggest surprises have both been how much interest there is and how slow the sales process has been. But that really is the challenge with standardization and with productization is that when people are, A, paying for something expensive and, B, paying for something complicated, they want a lot of information before they're willing to sign on the dotted line. By the way, Jeff's going to mention things like ActiveCampaign, MailChimp, and Drip. These are all programs that small businesses use to send emails to their customers. But it's been very interesting to find out that some people are absolutely committed to working with ActiveCampaign or some people are absolutely committed to staying on MailChimp and giving them the benefit of the doubt and trying out some of these new automation features they're cooking. Coming from a writing background, I've very much been in an expert position where I've been able to prescribe what the best solution was and what the creative solution was. 
that's like the arrangement that consultants have. Whereas when you have a product, it's sort of the opposite way. The product says to the marketplace, like, here's what we do. And I guess that's a little bit of what you were trying to do with LTV machine is create a product, not have Jeff be this really smart guy. And I think certainly on the podcast, you came across as a smart guy. And that's probably why these smart people were emailing you. (laughs) So talk me through what kind of problems that presented for you. And what are you going to do about it? I mean, these people, I'm assuming were offering you money to do stuff for them. So it really becomes a balance between figuring out what you can apply a standard process to and what you can't. But then in terms of the broader service, you know, it really is interesting when you get people coming to you and saying, well, you know, I'll pay you a pile of money for a bunch of blog posts. And you're not entirely sure if they listened to the episode or if they made it 10 minutes in and they're like, hey, this guy's good. (laughs) It's been really interesting trying to parse out what opportunities make sense for now and what opportunities make sense for later and then what things really are not a fit for how I want to move forward. So this is nothing new. There's some uncertainty in how to move forward in any business, like being there And facing that uncertainty is a lot of what being an entrepreneur is all about. But how do you do this? How do you move forward? Well, one way is by soliciting feedback or putting yourself out there, as we say online. You know, one of the ironies of all this is that as a consultant or a freelancer, often you can be immune to the type of feedback that you're going to get if you put a product out there. Think about it. If you have just a handful of clients seeing your proposals, if they don't like something that you're doing, they're just going to pass, come up with an excuse, or quietly go away. But when you launch a product or service and put it out there and you're brave enough to solicit that feedback, that's really when the magic happens. One of the ways to do this is to take your idea to a mastermind. Now, if you've never been a part of a mastermind, it's something we talk a lot about on this show. Generally speaking, you put six to eight smart people around a table, and these are like communal feedback sessions. You might sit at your idea and say, look, I'm thinking about launching a new product. Here's what my business is all about. Now just lay into me. Tell me the things that I don't know. I'm too blind to see and help me see them so that I can prepare for the future. I was lucky enough to catch Jeff right after he took the concept for LTV Machine to a mastermind. Now, this is the mastermind at our annual event in Bangkok. So we're going to rewind the tapes a little bit because this is about three weeks after we recorded last week's episode. So I love the energy in Jeff's voice here. Let's give it a listen. So what do you want to talk about? Well, I was just telling you, I always forget how amazing masterminds are. It's absolutely incredible. So talking to Matt Singer here at the table, he brought up a really amazing point about not only niching down to a particular kind of client for the marketing and trying to streamline the marketing, but also streamlining the product. That what works great for lawyers is going to be much more replicable, or what works great for a hotel is going to be much more replicable than the broad marketing automation, or even the broad like upsell funnels that we were talking about on the show and bringing people in for a membership group. What types of people were at your table? Man, Kiri Masters has launched a similar kind of three-month onboarding service where she moves people who are doing Kickstarter launches over to Amazon and helps them build that Amazon process out, optimize that, which is fascinating. 
Mad Singer runs a outsourcing office in Davao, and in particular, he's focusing on training agents to do marketing automation with ActiveCampaign, which could not have been more serendipitous. I'm a little <laughs> bit, I'm pinching myself right now. We had Nicole Bills, who's running a service training people who homeschool their children better, not handing out lesson plans, but actually working on the inner work of becoming a teacher in your own home, and had all sorts of interesting ideas about email marketing communities. It's fascinating talking to people who are doing email marketing and saying, like, wait, that thing you said rings with me. That thing you said makes me want to hire you. We should talk after this because of those words. Which, you know, you get on a phone call and you start hearing the same things over and over again, but it's unbelievable just to have someone be like, no, wait, that. We should talk. That energy, that sense of opportunity is why so many of us go so far out of our way, in this case, to the other side of the world and spend thousands of dollars just to have the experience of meeting like minds, to share ideas in a positive environment. But putting your ideas out there for judgment isn't always easy. Here's what Jeff had to say about that mastermind a few weeks later. I think what was striking to me throughout the weekend was that almost no one I spoke to was happy with their email software. Many of them had considered moving or spent five or six months worth of money on a subscription to a new piece of software. And the punchline there is that I didn't speak to anyone during the weekend who was comfortable risking their business by moving their list and moving their marketing campaigns. So here's something cool. After our first episode in this series launched, one listener to this podcast, Dan Norris, who happens to be the founder of WB Curve and the author of The Seven Day Startup, an excellent book about starting businesses just like these. So what a great serendipity. Thank you, Dan. So Dan wrote a comment on that episode, which turned into a voicemail, which we're going to play part of on today's show. And it's a critique on what Jeff could think about to improve his chances. So here's Dan. Hey, Dan and Ian and Jeff, how are you guys going? I absolutely love this series you guys are doing on the productized services. I've been neck deep in this stuff since putting out the seven-day startup, and I've got a lot of people in my Facebook group launching these sort of businesses. So I'm really passionate about this sort of stuff, and I love what Jeff's doing. I just wanted to point out a few challenges that are worth thinking about because I think this stuff kind of makes or breaks businesses like this. So the first one is how do you standardize? With WP Curve, we just decided to do like 30-minute jobs, and that would be our standard thing. So that standardization becomes very powerful. Every single employee does exactly the same job. Every single customer gets exactly the same work done for them. We can't predict what's going to go wrong with a site, but we know that if developers have certain skills and they're from a certain place and they get through certain hurdles, then they're going to be able to do that job to solve whatever problems arise. So because it's so standardized and consistent, it works. With something like email marketing automation, I think this is going to be a real challenge. I know you can like give people standard sequences and stuff like that, but I think quite a lot of this work is going to have to be custom and that's going to make that standardization really tricky. It doesn't mean the business can't work. It probably just means it has to be a whole lot more expensive because you need a lot more expensive Western staff to do a lot of that work. But whether or not you can keep it as a standard consistent monthly service is going to be a challenge. So I'd think about that. Now, let me set the scene here. Dan's leveling some really legitimate feedback to what Jeff's aiming to do with LTV Machine. And so I'm playing this voicemail with Jeff. We're listening to it together. And so I had to ask him, man, how do you feel listening to this? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Got to be honest, you know, the interesting thing about doing this live and in public is that I don't think it gets easier accepting comments and to some degree accepting criticism because I think that part of being an entrepreneur is holding two ideas in opposite hands, one that it might work and one that it won't work. And sometimes there are a lot more reasons why something won't work. And at the end of the day, you know, I found myself particularly at the conference really trying to choose 
how to move forward and how best to move forward and dealing with the possibility that, you know, I often got contradicting advice. You know, one of them is wrong. <laughs> they might both be wrong. I think it's tricky to have so much feedback coming in and not necessarily knowing which to take. But Dan has obviously walked this path before and I'm very grateful that he took the time to give us his thoughts. And so it, it's interesting, you know, it, it always sows doubt. It plants those seeds of doubt. But I think that being open to that and being able to roll with that is going to be key because, you know, you can't buy Dan's advice. Do you believe that you'll be able to make a standard that you can apply over and over again so that you don't have to bring in your expertise every time someone wants to work with your company? Yeah. You know, I think it's shades of gray to some degree. And what I mean by that is that it's much more standardized than any work I've done in the past. But to Dan's credit, there is still a fair amount of customization that people expect, particularly in the sales process, to convince them that it will be helpful to their business or applicable to their business. I don't know yet. I honestly don't know yet quite how to standardize that. I'm much more confident about standardizing the, the offer. And I think, as Dan alluded to in his recording, there are a standard set of campaigns that will make more money from most businesses, and in many cases, significantly more money. And while the copy, to some degree, needs to be customized to address the niche that they're in or to address the customer's concerns, I think that that's actually a lot less complicated than a non-copywriter might think it is. At the end of the day, the similarities are pretty striking in terms of the customer psychology and in terms of the buying cycle. So I'm less concerned about standardizing the process than I am about the sales cycle. That was particularly interesting in Dan's comment is what he had to say about the importance of the recurring element in the service business. Again, here's what Dan Norris, author of The Seven Day Startup, had to say about it. And then after you hear what Jeff had to say about it. The other challenge, which is the biggest one with businesses like this, is how do you make it recurring? And I've tried to apply like a recurring revenue model to businesses before that just aren't really recurring, like things that people just don't want to pay recurring fee for. And it usually ends bad because what happens is people don't have to stick with the product or service. They can leave if they're no longer using it and you end up having a huge customer retention problem. So the challenge here is going to be how do you actually create something that people need to pay for each month? And I think with a business like this, I've seen a lot of these businesses start where people would start them and get this tremendous growth and be like, oh yeah, there's going to be a seven-figure business by the end of the year. And then a year later, they're back to five or six customers because these people didn't see it as a recurring problem and didn't want to pay a recurring fee to have the problem solved. I I don't know how you solve that problem. I don't know. I mean, one way you could do it would be just to find customers who do have this problem every month. So one example would be if you find a startup that's investing heavily in content marketing, they've got content people, they're paying guest writers every single month, they're doing 20 articles on their blog, then maybe there's a service around that content where you can set up email opt-ins or sequences to promote your business based off that content that is going to be an ongoing thing that that company is always going to want. But just a general sort of email marketing, doing email sequences, I think is just not going to work as a recurring service ultimately. So I, th I think you need to put a lot of thought into like who you're going to do this for and how are you going to turn that into a recurring problem. I mean, not every business has to be a recurring business, but I think if that's what you want to build and that is definitely the, the best thing you can do, then you really need to think about that. I think what a lot of people don't realize about recurring revenue is it's not just about the lifetime value. So like at WP Curve, we don't have a particularly high lifetime value of the customer. It's only $70 a month. The LTV isn't the be all end all. What is important for us is the consistency. So every month we know we're going to be making more money than the last month. So we can invest heavily in staff and systems and we can get that consistency and get that sort of growth engine going. It's not just about, you know, if you charge them a thousand dollars sign up and 500 bucks a month and just accept that they'll all churn after three months that's not the same thing as having people pay $200 a month and stay for the rest of their lives. It's a very, very different business. Dan's challenge to you, Jeff, is 
how does a service that is essentially about making a one-time big move become a recurring product that you can sell to people over and over? That's an excellent question. And to be completely blunt, you know, I'm short on ideas. And he's right. And I don't know that selling monthly or weekly newsletters off the back of this service is the right way to go. I guess I would challenge the notion that recurring service is necessary up front. I think he's absolutely right that long term that's going to be the core of a business. And that's the difference between a productized service and some kind of productized consulting. But to be blunt, I don't know what that looks like yet. And I'm hoping that I will find that working with the clients. Because one of the uniform pieces of feedback I've gotten has been, well, once the three-month period is over and once the setup period is over, how can I keep you guys around to help me run this system? So I don't know what that looks like yet, but I think the hunger in the market is there. How does it feel when someone like Dan Norris, who knows so much about business, tells you that it's probably not going to work out because your pricing's (laughs) off and it won't recur? Does it make it harder to work on the business or are you just like, well, this is the best I got? No, it doesn't make it harder to work on the business. I mean, it can be crushing emotionally. It can be a real gut check of whether you believe in what you're doing or not. But it doesn't make it harder to move forward on the things that you feel confident in. I think it does make you take a step back and say, have I really thought through this part of the process? And, you know, in Dan's case, it was like he was reading my mind on the problems I was going to run into in the sales process. Dan knew that was going to happen. I wish I had known four weeks ago. If you could send an audio message to Dan Norris, what would it say? Man, Honestly, just thank you. I think that whether the feedback's positive or negative, there's really a premium to be placed on honest feedback because there are so many people in your life that are going to tell you, that sounds great, good for you, honey, (laughs) pat on the head, (laughs) that hearing hard feedback is valuable when it's coming from a place of help. You know, in Dan's case, Dan has no interest in tearing me down. Dan is showing me the potholes that are lying in my path before I've fallen into them. So what potholes lay ahead for Jeff? <laughs> we, I can't wait to see. This is getting fun. You can comment on this series at our website, tropicalmba.com. We have a lot more stories from Jeff and LTV Machine coming down the pike. And thanks again to Dan Norris for calling into the show. He has a few other critiques for those of you that are service business wonks. We're going to post his voicemail in full after the exit tags. All right, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast, and we'll be back next Thursday morning. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.
Hey, Dan and Ian and Jeff, how are you guys going? I absolutely love this series you guys are doing on the productized services. I've been neck deep in this stuff since putting out the seven-day startup, and I've got a lot of people in my Facebook group launching these sort of businesses. So I'm really passionate about this sort of stuff, and I love what Jeff's doing. I just wanted to point out a few challenges that are worth thinking about, because I think this stuff kind of makes or breaks businesses like this. So the first one is how do you standardize? And with WP Curve, we just decided to do like 30-minute jobs, and that would be our standard thing. So that standardization becomes very powerful. Every single employee does exactly the same job. Every single customer gets exactly the same work done for them. We can't predict what's going to go wrong with a site, but we know that if developers have certain skills and they're from a certain place and they get through certain hurdles, then they're going to be able to do that job to solve whatever problems arise. So because it's so standardized and consistent, it works. With Something like email marketing automation, I think this is going to be a real challenge. I know you can like give people standard sequences and stuff like that, but I think quite a lot of this work is going to have to be custom and that's going to make that standardization really tricky. I mean, it, it doesn't mean the business can't work. It probably just means it has to be a whole lot more expensive because you need a lot more expensive Western staff to do a lot of that work. But whether or not you can keep it as a standard consistent monthly service is going to be a challenge. So I'd think about that. The second is just around the profitability. So what I normally suggest to people in my group is work out how much it's going to cost you to have a customer each month and pretend you're not in the business at all. Just be really, really realistic about how much it's going to cost you to pay people to do this work, to have the systems and everything else to do the work. And once you come up with that monthly price, then at least double it to come up with the actual price for the customer. And what I see in these businesses is is if you can get people really cheaply to do the work, say in the Philippines, if you're paying $5 per hour for a contractor to work on a site, because of the way businesses work and all the other stuff you need to manage a service like this, that $5 an hour ends up turning into $30, $40, $50 to have that client, like a cost to have that client. So it might be 10x what you're actually paying the staff member. So if you're paying Western staff members 10x what you would pay someone in the Philippines, so say you're paying them $50 an hour, I would be guessing you would be probably just about 10xing that to $500 an hour, how much you would have to charge to have that customer. So sorry, how much it's going to cost you to have that customer? And then you would have to double that to make sure you've got a profit margin. So it seems like, you know, you employ someone cheap, employ someone expensive, it's a little bit more money, but it ends up just multiplying. And it's going to cost a lot of money if you're going to have to employ expensive people to run a service like this. So I would be estimating that kind of stuff to work out how much you actually have to charge to make money when you're not in the business. It's fine to make money when you're doing all the work. That's cool, but you're going to hit a ceiling. So if you hit that ceiling and you build a fundamentally unprofitable business, then it's not going to work for you. So I'd be thinking about that stuff now rather than later. The other challenge, which is the biggest one with businesses like this, is how do you make it recurring? I've tried to apply like a recurring revenue model to businesses before that just aren't really recurring, like things that people just don't want to pay recurring fee for. And it usually ends bad because what, what happens is people don't have to stick with the product or service. They can leave if they're no longer using it and you end up having a huge customer retention problem. So the challenge here is going to be how do you actually create something that people need to pay for each month? And I think with a business like this, I've seen a lot of these businesses start where people would start them and get this tremendous growth and be like, oh yeah, there's going to be a seven-figure business by the end of the year. And then a year later, they're back to five or six customers because These people didn't see it as a recurring problem and didn't want to pay a recurring fee to have the problem solved. I don't know how you solve that problem. I don't know. I mean, one way you could do it would be just to find customers who do have this problem every month. So one example would be if you find a startup that's investing heavily in content marketing, they've got content people, they're paying guest writers every single month, they're doing 20 articles on their blog. 
then maybe there's a service around that content where you can set up email opt-ins or sequences to promote your business based off that content that is going to be an ongoing thing that that company is always going to want. But just a general sort of email marketing, doing email sequences, I think is it's just not going to work as a recurring service ultimately. So I, th- I think you need to put a lot of thought into like who you're going to do this for and how are you going to turn that into a recurring problem. I mean, not every business has to be a recurring business, but I think if that's what you want to build and that is definitely the, the best thing you can do, then you really need to think about that. I think what a lot of people don't realize about recurring revenue is it's not just about the lifetime value so like at wp curve we don't have a particularly high lifetime value of the customer it's only 70 dollars a month the ltv isn't the be all end all what is important for us is the consistency so every month we know we're going to be making more money than the last month so we can invest heavily in staff and systems and we can get that consistency and get that sort of growth engine going it's not just about you know if you charge them a thousand dollars sign up and 500 bucks a month and just accept that they'll all churn after three months that's not the same thing as having people pay $200 a month and stay for the rest of their lives. It's a very, very different business. So I think you need to think about the recurring stuff and how do you make it something that is going to be an ongoing recurring problem. So we've got a few people in our community doing this. Bean Ninjas is one that comes to mind. Meryl's a DCer and she's got an ongoing bookkeeping service, which is starting to take off. To me, like that's an ongoing problem. It's always going to be something that I need to pay someone to fix for me. So I'm going to pay an ongoing fee for that. Hosting's another one, probably a very difficult business to start, but it's that ongoing nature of what you're doing is important for a recurring business. If it's not there or you can't somehow make it there, then everyone's going to churn and it's going to be a more of an, an upfront sales type of business, which is a totally different business and you may as well be doing consulting. On that point, I want to say something about pricing because I know every conference I go to, every podcast I listen to and every topic I see talked about when we talk about productized services, everyone tells you to raise your prices. And I think it's bad advice. I think it's just building a glorified consulting business. I think it comes down to what you can sell. And in this example with Jeff, If he wants to sell something at $2,000 a month, and that's cool, maybe he can sell that to five people and he's got a bit of a business going. But look at how you're actually marketing that business and look at what you can actually sell. To me, the sort of marketing I do, I know it's a lot easier for me to sell 10 people at $200 a month than it is to sell one person at $2,000 a month. I know that if I want to scale that, it's easy for me. I can get more content people. I can do more content marketing, more social media, more influencer outreach, more affiliate stuff. I can scale that kind of marketing for a $200 a month product and sell 10 of them much easier than I can employ a sales guy and, and get him to ring people and hope that he can sell someone at $2,000 a month. And I think I can build a much better business doing that. So don't just take that advice of increasing your prices you know, as gospel. I think it comes down to what you can sell and how many people you can sell it to. And I think if you can come up with a lower price service where you can still make a profit somehow, maybe not this business, but just as a general way of thinking, if you can do that, it's going to be much easier for you and you're going to build a much better business than you are if you're just going to try and make as much money at the front end and basically build a consulting business, which we all know are pretty shitty businesses.